2: Hello everybody, it's Jack here, your host as always, to give you a quick little update on the next few weeks of Sequelizers. I'm in the process of moving house, Tim's work schedule is super busy, and Matt is going on holiday. No points for guessing where he's going. But for the next seven episodes, that's every Tuesday from the 14th of March 2023 until Tuesday the 25th of April 2023, we will be releasing some previously Patreon-exclusive episodes on the public podcast feed. In the words of John Hammond, we've spared no expense. So these episodes are full interseason episodes. I know we say this a lot on the show, that the Patreon exclusive stuff isn't a half ass isn't anything like that. We mean it and you're gonna see what we mean because the topics we cover range from everything from black and white films to food and censorship and even the scariest moments in movie history, which was a very interesting discussion to say the least. These episodes were recorded over the last three years, ranging all the way back to May 2020, if you remember those times, all the way through to August 2022, and yes, that does mean some of them were recorded remotely during lockdowns, so please do bear in mind if the audio kind of shifts around a bit and we sound slightly different because we were getting adjusted to recording remotely and all that kind of stuff. Don't worry though, we will return with brand new episodes in the form of Season 12, a.k.a. Requalizers, on the 2nd of May 2023. That also happens to be the 6th anniversary of Episode 1 of Sequalizers. So that actually, kind of accidentally, worked out perfectly. So, like I said, we will be back with Requalizers, which is Season 12, on the 2nd of May 2023, also our 6th anniversary. Thank you so much for your support, whether you've been listening since Day 1, Episode 1, or if this is your first ever episode, hello, welcome. We don't usually do this, but enjoy nonetheless. Thank you for your understanding, and I can't wait for you to hear what we've been planning and what we've been up to for Equalizers. See you all in May, and until then, enjoy the show. My Hello everybody and welcome to some lovely interseason bonus content from Sequelizers. As always, I am your host, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, is Matthew Stogden. Cilantro! <laughs> For years I had no idea what cilantro is. Nope. Because uh, we don't call it that here in the UK. We do not and i had people be like oh cilantro tastes like soap i'm like well why would you put cilantro in your food then let me just eat this carrot and coriander soup it's delicious i have no idea what you're talking about like yeah cilantro what a weird what a weird cultural thing that i didn't understand for about 15 years and speaking of not understanding things for 15 years (laughs) joining us as always
0: is tim mayton
1: Try the grey stuff, it's delicious.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you can in Disneyland, apparently it is meant to be very good. I uh, It's horse Yeah, colt.
1: I'm not sure I'd be willing to try the grey st- stuff, to be honest.
0: Mm.
2: There's a lot of weird stuff in those kind of uh, the themed like food restaurants and, and theme parks and stuff. You're like, I see what you were trying <laughs> to do here, but no, you failed <laughs> and it's gross. And I will get onto that in a moment, because this episode... We're talking about some of the best, some of the worst, some of the most memorable on screen food. Yes. And Matt's been campaigning for a sandwich episode for about two and a half years. <laughs> yes. So this is this is kind of us meeting him halfway. And yes! sandwiches will be featured, don't worry, but we will be discussing other stuff. As I said. Yes. Both positive and boy have I got some negatives. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. We're talking about food this time and it's going to be uh going to be an interesting discussion. I feel like it's something we've not really touched upon on the show because a lot with these extra <coughs> kind of bonus episodes we will kind of touch upon a subject and think like oh that could be a bonus thing or if it's something we've already talked about and it's kind of a spin off from there or whatever but I feel like we've not really dipped into the culinary side of film and cinema particularly on this show. Mm. And it's something um, you're particularly passionate about, Matt, is my understanding.
0: Yes. And by the sense of sort of is the answer, I guess. Um <laughs> yes. And also sort of. <laughs> I, I I uh I find it a fascinating, fascinating element of film. Um for for three central reasons. One, it can be used narratively so beautifully uh, to to really do something with the story it can also be used so inconsequentially in the background now you can say it the same arguably for music and we don't think of it you know or any other prop in argument's sake like, but food is something that everybody has a um it's it's the, it's it's the one meeting ground the one common thing we all have arguably is that we all eat um I don't think There's a very example Of people don't And so subsequently Something in film Whether it's a science fiction film Or a fantasy movie Or anything Food comes up a lot And I have to think I can't really think Of any food in a movie At all And then you suddenly Start naming things You think Shit no you're right It's in everything It's in every movie How is this possible And then you get Iconic stuff Like food and drink Obviously food I'm going to include Drinking as well And then the third thing And the most important thing As a filmmaker Jesus Christ Is it fucking annoying (laughs) Um it's not like just, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll sling this in here. What are, we, what are we going to put in? Well, We've got these guns and they shoot blanks. Okay, that makes sense. We have to have a fire safety guy and um, train them up a little bit, to they know what they're doing. We've got rubber guns as well. Nope, food is much more complicated because allergies, things being stuck out. If you have cast and crew, if the principal cast or extras touching things, are they have to be fresh on the day or not? Do you have issues of concerns of who's eating what? Is the food fake, real? It's crazy. It's genuinely crazy that there's an entire street of people. And also these are the same people who go off and then have like a a craft services and all that and eat food, actual food. But the food you could eat on a set is also a food. It's it's bizarre. It's genuinely bizarre. So I'm gonna throw it to you guys first. Now we're not talking, I should again, I Jack said this very clearly. We're talking about on-screen food. Not food you eat while watching a film, not food you effectively make. It's like, oh, what'd be g- really good, to, like, you know, sharing a big gold plate and nachos to share, and, like watching a film, or quiet food in a cinema. No, 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 no. The food that is represented on film specifically. Um, whether it's something completely arbitrary in the background, you think, what the fuck is that? What would that even taste like? Um, or things that are genuinely fascinating. So again, you can really dig down so before we get to our actual picks because we have quite a lot of of picks to get through here um i'm going to i'm going to ask you a very strange question guys you may right. not be able to answer this do you remember At any point when you recognized food on screen and you went that looks good I, uh... i'd eat that <laughs> Like, like the pizza in Home Alone, for example And you're like, that looks like a fucking great pizza It's probably not, but you see it on screen Like the same way everything else is portrayed In an idealised, very big Grandiose way, you think to yourself Yeah, what is in that pie? That kind of thing
1: um, I think I think uh, Pizza, weirdly is Is a big one for me um, mm. because it wasn't something we really ate in my family when I was younger. Sure. Um, no, and, and we certainly never got takeaway like you know you kind of Domino's or Pizza Hut or whatever. Um. Mm. So the kind of enormous American pizzas that you would see on cinema, yes. and I can't remember yeah. a, like a particular. I'm sure <clears throat> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was probably a um an influential one. Um. Yeah. But just that kind of like the perfect like lifting up the slice where you have all the the, the ch- cheese kind of the stretching oh, yeah, in yeah. between. mozzarella,
2: yeah, yeah. Um, oh yeah,
1: that I can remember being <coughs> ha- being like, mm, I, I I want I want a pizza that looks that
0: perfect. Hmm. Because you also get a lot of. Cultural things, like we mentioned about the the takeout, for example, you got like um, the Chinese food In Wayne's World. All these little American boxes, the little white boxes with the handles. We don't they don't come like over here in Britain. Chinese food comes in a in a uh, from a Chinese takeaway, as it is, comes in a plastic tray, mm. uh, as usually with a little Tupperware sort of box. Um, so very very different. And, and again, it's the idea of how it's represented in other cultures and so on. What about you, Jack? Any sort of sci fi fantasy food you were like? lambda bread? Mmm, what's that taste like? <laughs> <laughs> lambda bread, I guess, is one of them. It was like a... What, what
2: does that even mean, that it's able to sustain you from a... You know, a single bite mm. sustains you for an entire day kind of thing. I've not really thought about it much, to be honest, until mm. you brought up this subject. Because, as I mentioned, I pretty much was Matt's suggestion. You've been wanting to do a film sandwiches episode for as long as I've known you, essentially. <laughs> and... It was like a... Oh, God, I'm trying to think. And like you said, I had that moment of... I can't think of any food in any film I've ever seen, and my mind just doesn't exist anymore. Like Apparently, I've never seen food on screen before, now that, <laughs> now that you've actually asked me that question. Like, what the fuck? Mm. What, what even is there? And I instantly assumed you meant, what is the kind of food in a film that you would want to eat? So you would see, like you said, ah, the pizza yeah, at Home yeah. Alone, and be like, oh, that <clears> looks <throat> like a good pizza. And I retorted with... A uh, a pick of mine, and I was like, "Does this count?" Because I don't want to fucking eat it. First of all, <laughs> I'm vegetarian, but second of all, fuck off. And <laughs> and, I, and you were like, "Yeah, sure, just anything like memorable, terrible, great." I was like, "Okay, that makes my mm. life a lot easier because this is yeah. this is going to be a journey." But yeah, there was, I don't remember a particular moment where I kind of switched on to I know we we've talked about the kind of moment where your critical brain switches on to what's a good mm. film, what's a bad film. I don't think I ever had that. I've just kind of See, been I think... perpetually hungry, but always vegetarian. <laughs> so a lot of the things are often out of reach for me as well. It's like, oh, no, pepperoni pizza. Shit, I can't eat that.
0: Like, I just pick the pepperoni off and just be depressed. Mm-hmm. See, I think some of the biggest. Well, no, that's something we've actually talked about one on the show. I think, um, which was the bread and whatever the fuck quarter portions, portions are in Force Awakens. The, the oh, bread yeah, that but... is the puddle of water, which was real. Um, yeah, exactly. But tasted I think like you shit. said that's what you said in the episode yeah exactly yeah so it's like shit and i think that's kind of the point it's like oh yeah that is a thing and also some of the most iconic scenes happen when people are eating so for example jules oh that is a tasty burger and you're like oh yeah bigger <laughs> um and then right, you've got cheese yeah, um, cheese, and then you've got uh the fucking entire dinner scene in alien the last supper as it were um and there's so many things where you start picking them out you go Oh shit, there's food everywhere. And but because we are conditioned to it, you don't see it. In the same way that, for example, if you go back to a film in the 80s, 70s, especially the 50s, fucking hell, the 40s, the amount of smoking you see in films and family films and everything, you're like, Jesus, everything must fucking reek of fucking ash and smoke. (laughs) But because you don't have it now as much, definitely not on film, it stands out. And in the same way that because we eat all the time, obviously. Unless the, even if the film's trying to do something with it, you you sometimes put it to the background a little bit, or it's it moves along and you you forget about it too quickly. But things like just giant hoagie sandwiches and people's lunches and things like oh, like you know, um, the the pube pizza and she's all that or something. And there's 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 so mm, many examples. Oh, the fucking sandwiches in the Breakfast Club. They're I, all I was having their lunch. Just
1: thinking about the, the the Breakfast Club and how each of their Meals is used to kind of tell you Something about the character
0: Yeah and that's the best part about it because there's so This is why I find it so fascinating Because there's so much We see on film that we're Used to I mean we the the music Becomes a background element but when it wants to Stand up and punch you in the face with a big You know st- orchestral sting Like in The Shining or uh, like a Tarantino film Where they want to play some music to you You know it's it stands up But food's the exact same thing and I find that Genuinely fascinating but again from a, from a filmmaking point of view the food is always meant to look good and hopefully taste good but mostly tastes like shit or it's cold or it's not what you think it is um i don't know if i've
2: talked about this on the show before but a mm. friend of mine was <laughs> a it's gonna sound really weird a oh. food photographer for a oh, while no, I get that. in terms of advertising mm. and stuff like that <laughs> and the shit that they pull is yes. insane. And there was a viral video that went around on Twitter not too long ago that basically confirmed a couple of things he'd experienced and some other crazy shit as well. And mm. granted, this is advertising, this is not necessarily film because these things are not meant to be eaten. It's just the uh the classic um <coughs> f- for those in the UK, the M and S adverts where they cut into the uh, uh the mm, chocolate mm, cake yeah. and it all and it all melts out and it's all very sexy and very melty. Oh yes. And it's all like none of that is real that's, none of that is actually chocolate sauce coming out of a chocolate cake that's like a, a fake chocolate cake that uh, they've like <coughs> I think it's like food colouring and glue and they just and mm. splurge the glue out of it and yep, like, yep. glue paste looks more like what you want chocolate sauce to look like rather than actual chocolate sauce <laughs> and another time they use glue and we mentioned the stretchy pizzas is mm. the fact that they would cut a slice out of a pizza and then <laughs> connect it with glue and it's actually a combination of glue and cheese stretching out as they do that (laughs) now available at pizza hut the amazing (laughs) 15 cheese pizza and like oh Mm -hmm. wow look at the stretch on that you've never seen a stretch like this before in your life okay but that's that's completely fake and bollocks and granted that's not always the case in film but they, there are a lot of ways where people fiddle around and, and do a bit of trickery and do this and do that mm-hmm. and, oh it turns out like this shot is actually of this the close up of, is of this thing but when the actor eats it it's something completely fucking different and I can't yeah. remember what it was there was somebody who ate it was a burger or something like that and it was an interview they were on like one of the, the chat shows like Graham Norton or The Late Show or whatever it was mm. and and we're saying, like, oh, how was that? And I said, it is the worst. Because hmm. in that scene, I take a bite out of this burger, and then we have, like, a four-minute conversation in this room. And it's one mm. take. So if I fuck up a line, say, I don't know, two minutes into that take, I have to go back and take another first bite of that burger. But that means yep. I can't bite the same burger because it has to be the first bite of the burger that has just arrived. So we churned through like 15 different burgers, and I took the first bite of 15 different burgers. And by the time you get to the 15th one, they are stone fucking cold, <laughs> even if they weren't already stone fucking cold by the time they yep. got to the studio or the set or whatever it was. And I was like, I never, I didn't eat a burger for like six months because I'd eaten the entire thing like four times over with one Mm -hmm. bite and I just wanted to kill myself I was like I never even thought about that like every, every shot you see in a film you know multiply the amount of film they used for that shot by five or six and that's the actual film that they used in terms of takes and all that kind of stuff and it's like jesus christ yeah that's really tough and and, because again matt you said you have those moments i'm like oh that looks delicious that looks amazing yeah and then you hear the stories i'm like it was hell it was the most (laughs) difficult experience of my 20 year career and you're like oh okay yeah
0: that's that's a bit traumatizing there there's a uh, prime couple of examples one is the descendants where george clooney told his very young co-star um i can't remember her name was now she's she's quite young and it says she eats a whole dish of ice cream and he's like you you're gonna eat all that like that, that quickly yeah i love ice cream I was like okay and it's like you know we'll see after like 20 takes and she eats it with the same ferocity it's like as a kid giving ice cream and she feels so sick after like you know four out of again 20 takes um similarly um in a uh, classic example david fucking fincher in uh social network and you talk about like, you know, dedication to the craft and all that sort of stuff. Um, and we mentioned before about the Winklevoss twins um, were played by two individuals. Um, and we always think of them as, as one. And Josh Pence is one of them as he gets his face replaced by uh, Army Hammer. And there's a scene where they're, I think they're talking to Alex Mignola's character, and um, they are eating a burger. Because, you know, they do rowing, a row crew and then to keep bulked up and stuff like that and, and then it's like probably a huge jaw opening like oh, and then typical Fincher fashion there's been like literally a whole day on this one scene so we're talking about like eight or nine hour day just eating this one burger and he just to look like he's enjoying it and going into it um, and he said that Pence was saying his, his jaw was locking up because he had to open his mouth so wide and in the back of his mind he's like I'm not even going to be in this film His face is not in this film. It's not important that he's eating it, but, you know, they're going to match it up later to Army Hammer doing the same thing. So he needs to eat the burger every single time. And it's like, that's just so crazy. Um, But the interesting thing as well is there's almost every time you think to yourself, well, yeah, I've seen, yeah, okay, pizza. That's a pretty obvious one. I can think of pizza. Yeah, I can think of that. Chinese food. Like I can think of like Lost Boys. They like, you're eating maggots, Michael. Oh, no, yeah. Okay, I can get that. That's, That's there. It's hard when you really get into it to not think of a type of food as well. So for example, if you if you include drinks as well, fuck me, alcohol becomes a signature for characters, like the Big Lebowski, the dude's white Russians, or Bond's <laughs> Martini, Shake and Not Stir kind of stuff. Um, or like the cereal, fucking the cereal in Honey I Shrunk the Kids. We covered that last season. <laughs> Iconic scenes taking place based on Cheerios, and you're like, this is ridiculous. How and, and the thing is, once you pull that veil back, it's hard not to see. Even things like in Wizard of Oz, Dorothy goes through and she's trying to get an apple off a tree to eat it because she's hungry. And it's so simple and relatable. And then the scene's about, you know, how to get these apples from these trees? I know we'll taunt them and they'll throw apples at us, that kind of thing. It's it's really fun. Fa- and again, are those apples, you know, red and delicious and awesome? Or are they more than likely, because it's the fucking 30s, painted red and taste like wax? Um,
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: And... Yeah, it's, 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 I genuinely find it fascinating But as I say, once the, the curtain comes back It's hard not to see it But having also been on a major set um, Where, the, you know, the, one of the ADs goes around and says Okay, no, I want to make sure that it's a it's and scene set in the 1600s I want you to really, you know n- uh, You know, the director's pushing push his hair behind his ear No acting, lads, no acting I want to see a real performance, real performance And leaves the room and you think The fuck is he talking about? All acting is acting Even if it's no acting, you're fucking idiot Anyway, so we're uh, on set and the the food is all there and the ads are saying oh no you can eat it it was all fresh this morning from like local places and there's like macadamia nuts and and fresh cut ham and there's uh, effectively water but it's dyed water so it looks like ale or beer or whatever it is and that kind of thing um, and wine etc and there's you know all kinds of stuff big pies and things and it's a huge huge ensemble cast scene like a, like a cantina scene basically you know you know i mean easily maybe a hundred people crammed in this room and one of the extras one of the season extras says like, one of the younger ones like oh it's gonna be great i'm gonna eat this time, so much food and then he said listen lad you don't know who's in this room what they've been through what they've touched what they've done what they've got don't act don't eat it just just act and it's never been
2: more true in these times of wash your hands and don't touch your face precisely and don't touch anything as
0: well. Yeah. I, I remember I I kind of went for it, but I didn't eat and drink too much. i you know, sort of poured at things. But then of course I was pouring things and they're like, okay, ready? Lever leave the room, reset, and change places. And they're like, oh, I was like, you know, I saw people like, you know, thumbing bits of like drumsticks in the mouth, like chicken turkey, like chicken drumstick, going, oh da da, and put it back on a plate. And then you come back to a plate and it's like, it's it's we mentioned the platform a little while ago, and you're like, oh. Lovely, and then because it was such a closed environment, it's like thirty degrees outside Celsius, obviously, and we're in these full, thick wall costumes, and there were fires, roaring fires, going, and 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 uh, flambeau sort of torches and I came home and the soot and all that shit I blew my nose and just black came out it was just horrifying and but the thing is and I was ill for three days because I've been literally just sharing this room with so many people because that's what film sets are like so if you're even if you're principal cast and this perfect meal this beautiful thing is prepared for you um, the cake from fucking Matilda for example and you're like that's gotta have been a fucking nightmare (laughs) oh it's it's genuinely fascinating and I've, I've always been fascinated by it and the more I watch film, the more I'm like, oh, and it's one of the first things you start noticing continuity issues as well. Like, oh, that's, that that's amount of drink is going up and down and so on and so forth. But then when you realise how it's used in story, it becomes really interesting. Um, so from my perspective, I feel that you have... I mean, you have this very simple story beat, right? The, the idea of how do I illustrate that so somebody is hungry? And you go back to like fucking... The animated Disney film Aladdin And you know, how do we illustrate that Jasmine is of wealth and doesn't understand paying for things That um, Vendors obviously sell certain things in this area And obviously that kids are hungry And people are hungry and all that stuff And she's hungry and she wants to eat something Apples on a cart And she takes one, simple as that Same thing happens in King Kong Um, And even like when Um Oh, Adam himself is stealing the bread, then he can't eat the bread because he gives it to the kids because they're starving as well. It's a simple thing, but it shows you what the characters are about and shows you who they are and tells you so much through something so simple and relatable because it's food. If somebody is feeding someone else, they're either evil in Seven, for example, um, or they're the most nurturing person because they're giving strength or hope or something to somebody. And that can be used to manipulate people so much. And it's so strange. And if you want to show like a big family environment, something that's sort of really, uh, welcoming and and uh, something that will chime with a lot of people, you usually have a big family meal. Everyone's lit around talking, either it's outside on some chairs in the sun or it's inside in this sort of cold, more Thanksgiving, wintry setting. But it can be used so, so brilliantly, which we'll get more to as we go through. But again, I find it fascinating that once you do know about it, that it's almost impossible not to see it. I mean, there's a Brad Pitt eating shit. Fucking hell! <laughs> Start whole thing on that one. I don't know.
1: I, I remember seeing something, and I don't know if this holds up, but basically saying if you if you want to survive a Tarantino film, the best way to do it is to eat someone else's food because it's this act of <laughs> yes. power to basically like if someone else if someone's eating a thing and you come over and you like take some of it, you're basically. <clears throat> you know on a, on a visceral level you're like you're taking away their ability yeah. to survive and those are the the people who do that in his films are the ones who make it to the end um the prime example Jeez, I, yeah, I can think of is um jules in pulp fiction yes where he comes along and takes the bite from the big kahuna burger and drinks from the shake and you know he's one of the people he
0: finishes the drink yeah. as well he doesn't like it's the, it's the sprite and he's like yeah that's <gasps> it's sprite, bad, yeah. it holds Holds eye contact and keeps going until it's sort of that, that sort of like slurping sound of straw at the bottom of the cup, and you're like, You did, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: and it's it's uh, yeah, and obviously he survives and Vincent doesn't, and it's kind of uh, True. and apparently, if he, it's, it's a thing that you can look for in, in several of his films, the same kind of deal happens, <laughs> mm. um, where you, you, people make he's, that he's power even... play using food,
0: yeah. Because, yeah, even I mean, Vince, for example, Vincent is. Offered the, the five dollar shake, he doesn't, he, he begrudgingly takes mm. it, so he almost not emasculates, but it puts him down a peg in terms of boom, character. Speaking of Tarantino, I want to bring up a quote if I don't mind. Uh-huh. It's from True Romance, which is a Tarantino written film, and this is where I started to realize I think it was like to, yeah, late 90s, I think I saw it, um, early 2000s, when it came out on VHS or DVD. And uh, Gary Oldman shows up for like, all five minutes. I'm like, holy shit, Gary Oldman. I love Gary Oldman. Even at my age, I was like, he's great. I've seen him in some things. So it's like, you know, Leon and Strange Enough, Fifth Element. I'm like, this guy's amazing. He's different every time he turns up. Still very true. So he plays a character called Drexel, which is... Mm, name. Mm -hmm. The the quote is as follows. And he's trying to explain... Okay, so he is a pimp. And uh, Christian Slater has gone to him to explain, forcefully or otherwise, that... He is going to release what will become, hopefully, his girlfriend, Patricia Arquette's character. And obviously, Drexel's not going to be doing that. Why would he? Why would he do anything like that? He's a pimp. This is part of his entire job. And so Slater walks in, and he's very tense, and Drexel's very relaxed, and he's eating Chinese food, and he says, "Now, see, we're sitting here down here, ready to negotiate, and you've already given up your shit. I'm still a mystery to you." but I know exactly where your white ass is coming from. So I've um, so if I ask you if you want some dinner and you grab an egg roll and start chowing down and I start saying to myself, this motherfucker, he's given out like he ain't got a carry in the world. And maybe, who knows, maybe you don't. Maybe this fool is such a bad motherfucker, he do not have to worry about nothing. He just sits down, watch motherfucking TV. <laughs> and it's this, but you didn't. You come in and you're looking at my face and nothing but my face. And there's tits on those screens. My, I know I'm beautiful, but not but a pair of tits. And it's the idea of like, oh yeah if you're relaxed you do eat and if you think about like situations like in so many films where they mm. want to get a bit of attention things like that the one who's the one you gotta watch out for is the calm bastard who walks in chewing a fucking sandwich or just eating something and that's why they use things like chomping on an apple or I was a gonna carrot say, or something eat, to eating make... an apple is yeah. the classic
2: one which they used for Chris Pine and uh, being Kirk and doing the Kobayashi Maru thing <clears throat> I was yes. just a, like oh to show how confident he is let's just have him uh eat an apple the whole time for no particular reason <laughs> like, <laughs> okay yeah. sure yeah and that's just this instant kind of air of cool calm confidence that you're just like oh, I don't give a shit I'm just gonna sit here and munch on an
0: apple I, 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 I set a test for someone at work on now. if they had an apple I said ah oh, the bad guy food and they went what said, <laughs> <laughs> oranges are the murder food and apples are bad guy food I said what do you mean I said okay I want you to turn to any colleague in here and take a bite out of the apple but before you do say um, we're gonna have to let you go. Doesn't matter if you say it really Jesus. silly, really funny, whatever. Just say we have to, let you... and obviously, you know, they could hear what we're saying, so it was like we're gonna on the joke. And then he said, Okay, um, we're gonna have to let you go and bites into the apple. And the second he does that, everyone's like, Oh, it changed. It's like, Yeah, because we've been conditioned subliminally to think when someone does that, they're being deadly fucking serious. Yeah, and they're so serious, they've already checked out the conversation to eat, <laughs> to literally recharge, to lower their guard. It's so bizarre. And then there's the act of sharing food, like in laid in the trap, where you like, no, you have this meatball. Oh, what about if we share the spaghetti? You dogs. Um, what if we kiss? It's it's. For, what if we kiss? the spaghetti in the, the chef. in the alleyway. <laughs> yeah, the orgasmic sandwich in the uh, in when Harry met Sally. There's 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 so many examples, and the thing is, the more you watch it, even even weird shit like in X Men, where the senator comes out of the water and the kid's so. Distracted with going on, he just forgets about his ice cream uh, The idea of like, a kid, kid loves ice cream and Kid can't see past the ice cream You're like, yeah, something's something's not right here And again, all of this is 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 excluding Which we might have to come back with a separate episode Because so much of it Drinks, alcohol Because that fuels so much in films In terms of character, narrative, everything Because it's just the of alcoholics And, you know, substance abuse And, and just in general how cool someone can be drinking certain types of drink or downing a beer or whatever it is <laughs> and how much it's used as a, as a plot device that, you know, I mean, the entire Lost Weekend film from the 40s is, is basically about an alcoholic right? that kind of thing. So, yes, I've always been fascinated by it and I find it incredible so we're going to go through some interesting examples, I think. Definitely.
2: And uh, considering you're so uh, enthusiastic, Mrs. Togden, why don't you kick us off?
0: Okay, let's go... Let's go... I'm gonna go chronologically. Oh, okay. I'm gonna go chronologically backwards. <laughs> uh, let's go with the most. <laughs> so <you>. not
1: chronologically.
0: <laughs> it depends, Tim. Depends if you travel through time like a normal person. Um, yes, I'm gonna go with the most recent one, and it is a Tarantino one. Um, it's a prime example of something that looks fucking delicious, and the sound, the ASMR in it, whereas at the same time, something that's beautiful and delicious. It's fucking terrifying. So, I'm talking about the strudel from Inglorious Bastards. Um, Strudel's fine. It's a decent dessert. I like cream a lot. So, I'm like cream on a dessert. So, that's pretty good. Um, I grew up with a lot of sort of apple pie sort of stuff. So, it's a sort of similar kind of thing. Like, oh, yeah, apples and raisins. Yeah, no, that's, that's quite nice looking. I, I, I'd I eat that. I, I have a history with it, as it were. It's typical Western food. I've, I've seen that. With that. I have a history with this. <laughs> With the Germans. Um, no, no, it's, it, but it's actually a thing you think to yourself, it's not like, oh, what's this strange exotic food that I really wish I'd taste for the first time? It's like, no, 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 I get that. I have a uh, a relation to it, as it were. It, it sends a trigger. And much like the milk at the start of the film, everything about it is a power play. Um, you you don't know if every character knows who they are. You don't know how far along you are in 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 the idea of, of, of you know, a, 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 a former... Pursuer in the form of um of Christoph Waltz and Melanie Rand's character in the form of somebody who is literally reinventing her life and thinks she's away and escaped from it all. Um what does he know? What does he know? And so little of that is actually said, it's all in the performance. You've got this gleefully giddy, oh well no, wait, 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 wait for the cream, wait for the cream. And then, you know, don't try the strudel yet. Have you had the strudel before? It's delicious. Um, and then down to business of like, okay, we want to show a film in your in your theatre specifically, in your cinema. And she uh, Melanie Roland eats the eats the strudel. And it's cut and shot so beautifully; it looks amazing. I and mean, when the cream gets dropped down on the spoon, it's all just and the flaky sound of the pastry cuffing in. it. But she can't enjoy it, and therefore, as an audience, we can't enjoy it. <laughs> we watch it and think, "If you like it, and I think that's quite tasty. It's a really pretty shot." But something doesn't feel right. I don't, I don't want to eat this. When you see something like you should be like the drooling, jaw dropping, almost almost like the old forties, thirties. Filmic lens quality, where you'd blur it the fuck up when you saw a woman. So if it's a bloke, it'd be really harsh contrast, starkness. And when it's woman, it's like, oh, because I'm so amazed and blown away. It's become smoky and misty, and it's all—it's literally a fucking Instagram filter. Um, that's what you'd expect to see from this, the way it's shot and presented. But you're—it's so tense, and you're so sort of stuck with it, like, oh fuck, is it? Are they rumbled? What the fuck's going on? Shit, what does he know? Why is he? Why is he being so fucking calm? And again, classically, it's that Tarantino thing of like. Feeding someone, but why? Why is he recommending this specifically? Is it a statement? Is it oh, is it cream? Cream because of the milk, milk comes from cows. Oh my god, the cows, the cow farm. Oh my god, and you, you do all this shit that means nothing, and you get so worked up in it, even though at the end of the day, it's just a fucking dessert on a plate that he likes. It means nothing, but it's it's perfectly used, and there's so it's minimal dialogue and a lot of expression, and it gives a chance for the actors to, yeah, um. Express themselves through this seemingly mundane moment, and I love it. It's great.
2: Yeah, that's a real weird kind of weird pick. I hadn't really, again hadn't really thought about, but yeah, totally makes sense. <laughs>
1: mm. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's it's a it's a, a food that kind of uh, anchors that scene, like you say, you mm. know, and it, yeah, and that's definitely. obviously a film with quite a few incredibly tense scenes in it, um, mm. and a lot of them actually involve you know again surrounding around food and drink you know you've got um uh christoph waltz's character drinking the milk at the farm Mm -hmm. you've got the beer being drunk in the
0: oh the 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 german crypt yes Um, pub
2: the the underground bar scene yeah Yeah,
0: christ um the the wellington boot um glass as well especially yeah um yeah
1: Yes, but I, I I do remember watching watching that and thinking, yeah, it, it, you get that odd tension between you want to be enjoying the the experience of you know the the, the strudel and and how good it looks, mm. but you're so tense at the same time that it, it's it's a, a very odd feeling in the pit of your stomach.
0: And immediately sets that power play dynamic. You can immediately tell that he either doesn't know and in ch- is in charge, or he's in charge and knows everything. Mm-hmm. And But it's still established that he's calm and he's eating and enjoying himself, therefore he's fine.
2: Yeah, and There's you get that reaction. same dynamic with the milk in the, the opening scene in the farm as well. Just yep. the the tension that Christoph Waltz is able to bring to those
0: scenes is just mm-hmm. ridiculous. So that's my first choice. Uh, let's go to... Let's go to Tim. Tim, why did you pick the beans from Star Trek Five? It's an interesting <laughs> choice.
1: Uh, I did not pick the beans.
0: Oh, unfortunate.
1: Uh, I did uh, to 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 semi-quote uh, the lighthouse. I didn't spill my beans. Um, yeah.
0: that's a good film, and that the good good food in that yeah. film as well.
1: Um, I've I've gone for a couple of my choices are very much films that surround. That, that, that are focused on food uh, this yes. is not just food that happens to be in a film but f- food that is the focus of the, of the film, film. yeah. yeah. Um, so my first choice is The Pies from Waitress mm. um, which is a very good um, kind of romantic comedy uh, starring Kerry Russell and uh, Nathan Fillion
0: this is it a musical now?
1: Yes, now being made into a musical, um, which is also extremely good. Um, Mm. And it centres around um, Kerry Russell's character called Jenna, who is a a waitress and a a sort of, uh, I guess, pastry chef would be the proper term. Dessert maker of desserts at a small diner. (laughs) And she is kind of known for these amazing pies, and throughout the film, the, the kind of uh, her mental state is reflected in the pies that she decides to make so mm. you get stuff like I hate my husband pie which is made with bittersweet yep. chocolate and drowned in caramel um, and uh, I can't have no affair because it's wrong and I don't <laughs> want Earl to kill me pie hold the banana <laughs> nice. uh, and uh, pregnant, miserable, self-pitying loser pie. Um, and obviously they all have, you know, amusing names, but they also are these really creative recipes. Um, and, you know, they, you have those ones that are kind of reflecting her, her state of mind and how the plot progresses. But you also have, you know, it's, it's a film that's centered on a diner. It's filled with food. You know, she, has these mm. creations that are just kind of amazing looking and you have people uh, there's one character in particular Joe who's this kind of old customer at the diner who is just sort of uh, a very crotchety old man mm. who but will wax poetic about her pies um and mm-hmm. how you know the sort <coughs> of the flavors are layered and uh the way that different you know scents and tastes kind of open up as you eat it um and they're all filmed you know beautifully um mm-hmm. and uh yeah it's it's a film about how central food can be to your life um and just god damn those pies look good
0: They always, yeah. I've I've seen the film. I saw a screener years and years ago. I think like two thousand five, two thousand six, whenever it came out. Um, I I thought the film was fine. I enjoyed it for what it was. I thought it was a bit disappointing. But that as a review aside, the pies did all look good, (laughs) even the more ridiculous. I don't want this baby pie. Um, but yeah, they're great. They're great, and the the way they're shot as well, specifically, almost like a top down preparation kind of thing and it can see how the pie ends, pie ends mm. up and it's like that looks they all look really fucking good <laughs> um i think i appreciate sure you can get like you said because i know it's a musical now i'm pretty sure you can get like a cookbook so sort of recipe books i think of all the different pies are you yeah nice. i'm
1: almost certain you absolutely can it yeah. would not uh, you yeah. know um i'm sure that there are recipes out there for for all of the pies you know featured mm. um yeah i have not i have not attempted any of them because pastry's a bastard um. <laughs>
0: pastry is a bastard yeah that's
1: true <laughs> uh, but you know who knows maybe one day when I'm feeling ambitious I'll uh, I'll attempt one
0: lockdown Tim it's time to yeah, try that's
1: a very good point uh, so Jack we know that you had trouble selecting <clears throat> uh, food that you, you were particularly keen to eat so what what have you gone for <laughs>
2: Um, One of them I did want to eat and speaking of lazy cooking that defines me (laughs) in the kitchen I'm a terrible cook and can often fuck up the most basic of things by just not getting the timings right and things like that Um, and I was recently uh, listening to a podcast and they were kind of doing like a retro review kind of series and they went through the Back to the Future series and I was like, oh yeah, we were just talking about this and I listened to the Back to the Future Part 2 episode this morning and they talked about how amazing and hilarious and ridiculous the rehydrated pizza from the from the future <laughs> the yeah, distant future yeah, yeah. of 2015 uh, <clears throat> would be and it's like this little like cookie biscuit sized pizza that they put through this what looks like, you know, there's like toaster things in uh, yes. hotels where you just put the slice of bread and it comes out toasted, yeah. goes around <laughs> on a little conveyor belt thing it like pops in this little thing and then comes out as this fully fledged like deep pan american pizza and mm. yeah i think that would be just more so, or even more so the technology but I, again considering the horrible gross bread in uh, star wars then maybe not <laughs> if it's a, if it's a quick fix like re- just rehydrate this and everything will be fine I'm like, mm, yeah cuz we can like 3d print certain foods and stuff at this point and um yeah as, as lazy as I am I'm I'm also a bit sceptical of how it would taste
1: <laughs> that, that reminds me a little bit of the uh, the chicken in the fifth element where she just puts <laughs> like oh, yeah. uh, it's it's even chicken. it's even like more ridiculous it's like a little capsule thing that she puts in a microwave yeah. and it does for like two seconds and then comes out and it's a giant fully cooked chicken um, <laughs> yeah, yeah
2: that kind of I must thing be, we, I, we, we need I, that in our lives but I think it would also kind of ruin humanity so maybe not <laughs> Like the food replicators
0: in Star Trek. Oh um, yeah, I do like that. The, the, I, I like as well with with Back to the Future Part Two. It's a great example because there's lots of food in the example, but the 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 small attention to detail, like the idea of the um, ripping the foil bag with the teeth to get into it to get the little cookie sized pizza, and you're like, oh, they come in a foil bag. I don't know why it's, it's such an arbitrary little thing, but it feels like a little bit world building. And then of course, you know, Marty Jr. Fruit! I want fruit! And a t- 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 fucking basket of fruit lowers from the ceiling or whatever it is. <laughs> and then it goes back up again. Weird stuff. As again, it's the future of eating and drinking apparently, and Pepsi that you can't get into apparently. From <laughs> five years ago.
2: Yeah. Oh, God, the past. Yeah. We're living post-back-to-the-future future, which is so strange. Mm. Such a strange thing to say. <laughs> but yeah, I think something like that would be like I said, an interesting idea mm. and we're, we're certainly heading in that direction in terms of How lazy cooking is getting, and how technology is kind of changing the kitchen and things like that. But quick and easy, quick and easy pizza is
0: basically my life. So, to like dried noodles and frozen food and microwave stuff to the 20s, 30s mindset, that's all space age madness. So, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then ice cream in space, that kind of, you know, the the NASA approved in foil (laughs) bag style. Yeah. And we do
1: have that kind of, uh, Huel and all its, um, So you know, associated kind of things of people who just yeah uh, treat food as like no, it's just the fuel my body needs, and it has no further meaning, and I don't need it to taste good. I just need it to keep me going. Mm. uh, Which is I can verify
2: that fuel does not taste good. I have tried.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's an attitude I've I've never understood, Um, but uh, it's it's something that seems to have taken hold to a certain degree with a certain type of person.
0: I, I must admit I I know a few friends of mine who eat Huel, like drink, eat consume <laughs> Huel. Um they drink eating. Yes. Yeah. I I must admit, they were like, no, it's fine, I get it. And then I think I I don't I could never and like Tim said, I could never separate myself from the the enjoyability of food. I love it too much. Donuts and shit, burgers, nah. <laughs> I mean, again, vegetarian otherwise or how it's prepared, tofu, anything, it's interesting. And the textures and everything about it. If it's just literally mmm dust from a hoover bag <laughs> sign me up um it's like all i can think is oh soil and green eh that's all that is to yeah. me
1: <laughs> or the uh like the the uh nutrient slop from the matrix that they eat
0: yeah yeah exactly tasty wheat except it's not tasty wheat <laughs> it's a bowl of snot speaking of films oh the uh, fucking so the problem is now and now we, i know we've got our specific list the problem is i can't Stop thinking. <laughs> I mean, the the uh, ciphers fucking stake in the Matrix. Mm. You get d- deeper and deeper and deeper. Anyway, the chocolate cake in, in Reloaded. That's an orgasm machine. Um. Yes. Well, before you before right. you get lost
1: in reverie, do you want to give us your your next selection?
0: I will indeed. I can focus my mind on the next one. Next one. I'm afraid does have a quote. I apologize. It's to give you a thing. Right. So, as uh, long time listeners on the show will know, my absolute favorite film all time is The Godfather. Retroactively called part one, but The Godfather, the first one. And there is a straight up... I mean, the scene with the the, the whole uh, Corleone compound's on lockdown. Everyone's getting stressed. Um Michael's on the phone to Kay, and Clemenza's taking the piss. Oh, why not tell her you love her? Oh, I love you so much, I want to die. <laughs> come over here, kid. And then he just starts talking. And he's like, hey, come over here, kid. Learn something. You never know, you might be cooking for 20 guys or something. You see, you start out with a little bit of oil, then you fry some garlic, and you throw in tomatoes, your tomato paste, you fry it, you make sure it doesn't stick, get it to a boil, you're shoving all your sausage and your meatballs, uh, a little bit of wine, and a little bit of sugar. That's my trick. You think, what is this? What are you doing? <laughs> and it's like, the whole film stops, effectively, and then Khan comes in, James Khan and says, what are you doing? What are you doing? Stop it. I got I got a job for you, more important things. And I was like, why Why did the film stop to give us a fucking recipe? <laughs> and you, you like Coppola and, um, and Puzo, the Godfather, the book, has lots of like just recipes in it, things just to, to eat. Because one of the reasons The Godfather is such a great film is that it's relatable. It's not just this crazy mob boss, Little Caesar style, yeah, hello, see, you know, machine gun shit. I mean, it's got a lot of that. But the real reason it cuts through people is because it's a family story. And that stuff is what people recognise and identify with. It's just like, hey, big family, sitting around the house, having a wedding. Everyone's having a little bit of arguments here and there. Everyone's catching up and there's things going on in the background. You don't really know what's going on. Because the age separation, all these sorts of things. And then people meet up and you say, oh, you hungry? Yeah, I'm going to eat some food. Uh, no, I'll get you a plate. It's fine. That kind of thing is something... Even if you haven't had that experience yourself, you know someone in your family or someone in your in your school or your life that does. And this one to me is like, Shit that sounds delicious. What the fuck are they making? And it's not even like he's obviously just doing a huge pot because he's doing it for um all the people in the compound and he's it's just you don't know about all the tomatoes though. Oh, some tomatoes in there. But you don't know if there's any if there's any pasta going with this. This is just the sauce. And you're like, "Shit, that's good. They can go with any pasta. That that's that's brilliant." <laughs> and so like, and he actually gets a whole plate of sausages and meatballs and just tips them straight in. He's like, "That looks fucking amazing." And then bad things happen. Because you know, it's the godfather and oranges symbolize death and things, but the tomatoes they're a good time. But interestingly, before we start recording, there was a conversation about this where I was reading really off the quote to these guys, and um one of you said, Wait, is that the one from the good uh, from Goodfellas? And I was like, No, no, no. That's that's a different that's a different tomato sauce. <laughs> um, that's the one with the with the with the razor blade cutting up the um poorly cutting up the uh, the garlic with a razor blade uh, so it dissolves in the thing. And again, especially it's, it's almost like the idea of like, it's Italian, you know, families who would eat because it's set in the past. They'd obviously cook for themselves. They wouldn't go out and cook things like that. So, of course, they'd be making the food. They'd know how to make this sort of stuff and it sets the tone. It sets the characters and things. But also it looks, it sounds just fucking delicious. And again, it's not just a case of like, here's the food. Much like Waitress, for example, it tells you kind of what to do. Mm-hmm and you're like oh and i'm pretty sure again this is one that's been made up quite a few times there's a uh, clemenza's tomato sauce is uh, one that's been around or godfather spaghetti sauce all that kind of different things that is about that you can do and to be fair it's very easy very straightforward there's nothing too special about it or fancy but that's kind of the point it's it's like yeah that sounds good it's your basic italian family cooking right that's, uh, yeah. that's the yeah basis of all and italian the- food is a good source Good sauce <laughs> And that's kind of the point It's to make it relatable It's to make it feel like Oh yeah No I could I could cook that up And I, I think this guy He's a nice guy He's just a, he's just a guy in a kitchen And it's also disarming Because the way K enters that world Is through Michael You know the, the the ex-army boy And you know The golden child And then they're at a wedding All the things going on there And oh the food's great Have you tried this Oh yeah yeah But that just makes It look like Just guys in a kitchen Telling me, well If I showed that clip alone You wouldn't know That half of those people Are about to go You know kill a lot of people (laughs) so that's my uh that's my second pick um let's bounce back to tim tim what dark crime riddled film are you going to bring up for us
1: (laughs) (laughs) well not exactly crime riddled not in any way crime riddled uh but but uh family and food certainly uh at, at the at the forefront um and uh again this is this is very much a food porn film Oh yeah, uh, Chef by John Favreau, um, which is kind of him. Basically, it's in a lot of ways uh, it's autobiographical because it's about a chef mm. who is in a fancy restaurant and he's <clears throat> feels like he has kind of lost touch with his roots, and he sort of gives up on uh, his. Um, he, or he had, he kind of has a meltdown when uh, a, a food blogger comes to his uh, uh, restaurant, and he kind of accidentally—I uh, forget exactly what happens—but he he, uh, he he has this sort of viral meltdown uh, that ends up mm-hmm. with him basically kind of losing his his uh, career, and so he kind of goes back to basics and rediscovers his love for cooking, um, and. Starts a food truck uh, with his son and with his uh, with his friends, and the kind of the the prime food that they decide to serve out of the food truck is uh, cubano sandwiches, which are mm. these kind of uh, hot sandwiches um, with uh, just um, amazing looking pork um, and cheese and uh grilled and brushed with uh um butter and they just look amazing um but also they are uh achievable you know uh they're they're yes. not this kind of fancy they're not you know they're not trying to make the timpano from big night where you're like ah yes this will take me 14 hours to construct like <laughs> it's just a grilled sandwich um but the the care that he puts in, um, and obviously this was this film was made just after Favreau had made kind of the the Iron Man films and a few other blockbusters, mm. and it's him trying to go back to the smaller films that he made kind of before that of you know during his kind of swingers kind of period.
2: Yes, um,
1: and. So that sensibility is very much channeled through the film of you know someone getting back to basics and someone leaving behind a lot of the kind of the flash and the fancy to tell a small story about something simple. And I think because it's clearly such a personal film to him, like that that love kind of permeates the whole thing, and you can tell uh, the care uh, and the pride that goes into these sandwiches and um and again, yeah, they just look uh, pretty fucking delicious.
2: Hasn't Favreau kind of spun off the whole thing into a TV show? Yeah, and, like he... it's just or doing yes. his own like little food yeah. journey now.
1: It, yes, he has. Like he's there's there's a whole spin off, uh, I think it's a Netflix series. I
0: could be wrong. It is Netflix, yeah, yeah the Chef Show. Um
1: which is just him and I, I believe like some of the people who kind of consulted on the film almost, um just kind of going uh, around Roy
0: Choi is the guy I think more correctly. Yes
1: um like yeah like uh, you know with celebrity cameos and such it's a, it's a pretty it's got mm. the, the film itself has got you know a lot of famous people in it who just show up for 5 minutes um but mm. uh yeah i think um it's it's a film about you know finding your passion again which is uh, i think a really interesting kind of topic um mm. especially kind of when you can see the parallels in the the lives of the the people who've created it. And um mm-hmm. and yeah, goddamn I love a sandwich.
0: Tim, you know I love a sandwich too.
1: Where does this rate on the on the Matt Stockton sandwich
0: sandwich scale? Pretty fucking high actually, because it's not just the idea of just the final product of the sandwich. As you say, it's the love and care that's put into it. It's the fact that the reinventing yourself for something that's simple and in a strange way wholesome and comforting. And obviously it's shot and looks amazing and things like that but um yeah i I'd, I'd rate it very underratedly high should we mm. say um because then i'm not going to the question of if it was a burger or a sandwich or not let's not let's not do that um <laughs>
2: that is a whole other
0: episode in and of itself yeah good lord but um <laughs> no i'd say pretty highly in top mm top 10 should we say i think that's fair. i think that's 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 reasonable mm. yeah there's another sandwich which I think is the problem with these things is always like the idea of as Jack mentioned earlier, would I want to eat it? And Cubano, fuck yeah. There's another sandwich that may come up later in this discussion, uh, which is like that looks fucking stunning, but I don't like one of the ingredients, so I wouldn't eat it ever. <laughs> but goddamn, I can see it looks goddamn good. I'm gonna spin off to again
2: something fairly wholesome and and you know kid friendly and all that kind of stuff. Sure. And some stuff. I've actually eaten and drank and all that kind of stuff in real life. Nice. The Harry Potter and his all various magical foods and sweets and stuff. So mm. stuff like Bertie Bott's every flavor beans, which I have in a cupboard in my kitchen right now. <laughs> um a magical chocolate frog that I found a bit traumatizing as a vegetarian who who loved who <laughs> loves chocolate. Like d- does that count as a vegetarian? Can I eat that? Is that allowed? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because <laughs> I'll, I'll eat the fuck out of some chocolate that's kind of my thing but I don't want my Enchanted, chocolate jumping yeah. around that makes me very mm. uncomfortable I'm not sure if that's allowed but I've I've eaten a non-magical chocolate frog if that counts and mm-hmm. one of the worst things I've ever put in my mouth was, <laughs> was butter beer at Warner Brothers Studios <laughs> Yeah, it is like you get the tiniest little glass plastic like uh, Stein kind of thing the German style beer glass and it's just like piss colored carbonated water <laughs> with this like not quite creamy head that is the head is obviously supposed to be sweet but it's just kind of tastes like actual butter and it's just this chemically bollocks it's just <laughs> fucking horrible and yeah i i really like the every flavor bleens and I, i'm happy to eat the the chocolate frog and stuff as long as it's not hopping around but butterbeer was fucking horrible and very expensive so yeah I, I love the idea that they have all these magical kind of snacks and, and things like that Like the newspapers and the paintings are all magical and all come to life yeah. it's like, well of course the chocolate comes to life then <laughs> and they have that brilliant moment in where they find out like oh Harry has all the money in the world and he just buys all of the things I'm like I'm just going to get a, a cart full of sweets and
0: buy the whole lot which a sensible adult should say, no, you dumb fuck. There's an entire train full of peas no <laughs> sensible panic adults fight. in Harry Idiot. Potter. <laughs> That's actually very true. Yeah, just magical Incredibly kids true. Run around. Yeah, you'll be fine. Incidentally, yeah. um, I've I've tried butterbeer as well. Um, but, and I think this must be, it must be a difference. I tried it at Universal Studios in Japan. Ah. Uh, and Japan, don't fuck around with food. <laughs> Mine was in
2: um, Watford or wherever
0: it is. <laughs> Slightly less exotic. Yeah. Um... And it was fine, it was fine. As you say, it was mostly just sugar and, and and this this frothy foaminess. I thought it was okay, but then I didn't know what to expect anyway, other than just, you know, as you say, some sort of float or piss beer, as it were. Um Tim, have you drunk I or ha- drink it butter? I beer? I
1: have drunk butter beer. I I have also drunk it at the Harry Potter Studio Tour. I I can't remember what it is, but I remember when I had it someone who i was with there was like oh there's this trick to making it taste good and it's like you've got to like it's weird <laughs> you've got to make sure you drink it within a certain amount of time or you've got to stir it uh, there's
2: always that kind of bullshit something like, but Ch- chinese whisper on, on the school bus like oh yeah my cousin went to the harry potter <laughs> studio and said if you stick your finger in it and stir it clockwise then it'll taste brilliant
1: I, I remember it, it not tasting shit. garbage, and then I had it again, and it did taste bad. So I I'm not I'm not convinced <laughs> that it's there isn't some magic trick to improving it. Um, Maybe there is. It might <laughs> it might just be oh you have to make sure you get there when they've just like mixed well, in fresh, the yeah. thing to the thing yeah. or whatever. Um, but <clears> uh, yeah, it, it it is it is uh, the 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 <clears> trouble with magical food is it's never going to be as good as the you know the the book or the film makes it look um you know especially especially when you have something that you know is kind of not a real thing like you know i would i would never naturally go "Mm, butter and beer together at last so like
2: (laughs) (laughs) my two favorite things finally united
1: (laughs) um so, you know, and it's it's one of those things that like mm. oh yeah that's a that's a nice evocative phrase of like you know oh I suppose it's you know it's kind of like ginger beer but it's you know sort of but 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 like butterscotchy
2: the I don't know
1: like mm. what well, quite what it's that's
2: what I, I had assumed a butterscotch flavour yeah. that was very much my assumption going in especially yeah. yeah with the colour and everything like that mm. and, and I'm, I'm happy for the butterscotch it's not necessarily my first choice but I'm like oh yeah cool okay mm. yeah you I can see you making like a you know, you can get, like, banana beers and all that kind of stuff, and honey beer and all this kind of stuff. Like, yeah, sure, you can get a butterscotch beer in there. That makes sense. Nope. <laughs> just just weird, frothy, fizzy water <laughs> that I did not want in my mouth and cost about a fiver for a half a pint <laughs> or whatever it was. Yeah, but you anyway. do get to keep that cup. <laughs> Yay. How exciting. But, yeah, I, I genuinely like Bertie like, bots every flavour beans. I think that's a hilarious, like, roulette idea for... The, you know oh it could be sweet could be mm, my favourite earwax and all that kind of stuff like they, they as much as butterbeer doesn't taste how I imagined it and how much they set it up in the films I feel like the Every Flavour Beans do kind of live up to their name of
0: like there are some mm. fucking gross ones in there and
2: then some nice <laughs> normal
0: normal jelly beans in there are um our friends over at uh, Cheap Show very regularly as I was forfeit and just gone into like the um, digitizer stuff and and Barsh, back when that was going. Um, there's a specific brand of beans where it's like, what could this be? Strawberry or blood? And you're like, and but the flavours apparently are so, uh, for lack of a better word, correct, and effective. <laughs> and you're so like, this or Yeah, and it's like, well, what, what's the difference between these two? It's it's either caramel or snails, and you're like, oh, um, or, or watermelon or snot, and you're like. Oh, fuck me. And they're both obviously the same colour, so you wouldn't know what it is until you bite into it. A bit like a Russian roulette kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I think the Bertie Bott's over flavoured beans is definitely one of those things that you could... Um, it's, it's quite easy replicatable. Um, with, this is the interesting thing, though, because with Back to the Future, for example, we have something we already have, and you have technology that makes it somehow better or easier or more accessible, which is very realistic. But this is the first example where we've gone... Something that's pure fantasy or science fiction that does not exist, and that's the best thing. Like, because as as I think Tim mentioned, the idea that there are so many of these things that are created on film. I mean, even like the grays try the grey stuff. It's delicious from from Beauty and the Beast. You've said that now. You've said it's delicious, and it's lit- nothing you can do <laughs> can make that good. Because I what I think is delicious, what someone else thinks is delicious, is going to be completely different is it sweet is it savory is it hot is it cold you've, you've given me nothing other than it tastes good apparently um and fantasy especially i mean for example you get a lot of crossover with real things so in like lord of the rings obviously we like lamina bread, for example and like oh what it doesn't make sense then you get like shire salt you're like oh, i get what salt is that makes sense potatoes um and, and boil fish. Them, you them you stick them in a stew yeah exactly <laughs> then you get <laughs> then you get something like um when Denethor is like sent his kid out to die, in Faramir, and he has a uh, hobbit sing for me, Master hobbit, and um, uh, and Pippin starts singing and very very well, but he's eating and it's disgusting and he does a back and forth and the you know the carnage is where he's bursting up those little cherry tomatoes, yes yes exactly cherry tomatoes and, uh, and that's kind of the thing isn't it? It it looks visceral and nasty but the, that's that's real. I can relate to that. I can understand what that is, but there are lots of fantasy or or science fiction foods. That there's no equivalent for. So if you do, for whatever reason, try and replicate it, or if it's tried to be produced like butterbeer, again, butterscotch makes complete... It. It's, it's a shit caramel, but it'll do. Um, and <laughs> you can say, like, oh, okay, we'll go with that. But if the person is interpreting it as, like, saying, oh, well, I assume it's this. It, it's so many different perspectives. It's really difficult. Um, I mean, we will talk about this at great length towards the end of the, of the episode uh, about binging with Babish, because... There's lots of examples of I'm going to try and do this. I'm going to try and replicate this. I'm going to, so on and so forth uh, on on over on YouTube. Um, But yes, fantasy is, 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 and science fiction and anything that's creating something from nothing, it's all part of the world building. You take something either slightly familiar and you in, and you heighten it. Simple as that. And Butterbeer is a weird one because it's like, what is our real world equivalent? Kids, I mean, I know you know the drinking age in Britain is younger than in America. It's 18, but. And kids, obviously, kids drink. You know, that's, that's how things are. But um, I don't, I don't know what it's supposed to be. Is it, is it like, is it like meant to be a hot chocolate equivalent? Like kids like hot chocolate because it's all like usually at the end of the year where it's really cold and they're like a, like a warm drink. It seems to be at least. What what is it supposed to be? What's what's the equivalent? What are we looking at here? Um, but in a world where you don't want branding or something like that, then it makes complete sense that they would have some magical thing that that's you know some well kept secret that you, muggle or otherwise can't have. And that's regardless of all the fucking feasts they always have when you know the uh, when the start of the new year in Harry Potter, or the, the um, hard work of the house elves. Ha- yeah, exactly. Which is never covered in the films, um, or like even when Ron's just so like worried about something, but he's eating sausages that kind of thing, and you're like, oh yeah. Um, or or again, as at a major plot point, weirdly enough, um, in the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. The idea that Jacob Kowalski is trying to set up a baker's. He's getting to. He's literally. He's his start of his story in this. I don't know what this fucking be trilogy, saga, tragedy, whatever the fuck it is. Oh god, um, not a trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> Um He wants to set up a bakery. He went. He was served over in France over during World War One, and he wants to, you know, create pastries and stuff like that. And by the end of the the film, he's creating from his subconscious really interesting, strange concoctions and creations and buns and all these things. Again. It's, it's a real-world thing, but also with a magical twist. So, yeah, I, th- I find that stuff really interesting. So, yeah, Harry Potter World is a good, good shout. Because, again, because that's such a huge impact on society and culture and stuff, people have been trying to replicate these things and sell it as fast as you fucking can.
1: I mean, the, the Bertie Bot's beans is an interesting one because for most of this other stuff, it's like, oh, we've taken, we've taken a real food and we've made it magical. You know, the chocolate frogs, they hop about... Then the magic wears off, and yes. you eat them, and it's just chocolate, and it's nice, but Bertie boughts every flavor beans like jelly beans are already a thing, and you can get them in mm. a lot of flavors, and it's not like they've come up with exciting new good flavors. they've just put some shit ones in there too, <laughs> <laughs> so it's not like you don't you don't it's not like the good place where you're like oh yes this this jelly bean tastes of uh having a full." mobile phone battery or like oh, uh, yeah, or yeah. you know this this jelly bean tastes of the the your, your bed sheets being the exact right temperature kind of thing like it's just like oh there's strawberry and chocolate and you know banana and stuff but then there's also like shit literal shit there is literal <laughs> shit in here
0: <laughs> you're right i find it fascinating because Of all the things in the world Only some of it tastes good (laughs) I mean the amount of things we don't put in our mouths Because they taste like shit It's like if I look around the room I'm in now I've got some indigestion tablets over there Um, They taste of mints That's one good thing I've got a bottle of strawberry and kiwi water That's there, that's good Um, Everything else in this room I'm pretty sure tastes of paper, carpet, dust, DVDs Um (laughs) plastic pay it's it's none of this is appetizing and so what you and it's like again as tim pointed out the real world the muggle world has an equivalent that's fine but also we have to remember like oh oh that's butter that's very interesting oh caviar flavor it's like yeah have you ever eaten something and not been told what it is (laughs) flavor wise and you go what is that is that like asparagus so it's oh no 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 it's got a oh it's got an interesting aftertaste maybe it's like a foie gras it's like what is it it's a pea you fucking idiot it's like oh I mean if you like the, the blind taste tests that chefs do for example it's it's oh it's cream carrot it's like no you fucking idiot it's a celery where, where the fuck did you get that from <laughs> I'm sorry I I panicked so I imagine everyone just eats them and goes oh that's uh, I don't know what that is and have yeah. another one <laughs> what's that one oh. That's just, your mum's anus. It's like I'm sorry. Eight
1: water ones in a row. It's just like <laughs> don't even feel. Quenched. Oh, my favourite
0: water, <laughs> dirt, 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 dirt. Wood, water, dirt. <laughs> Damn you, earth. <laughs> and you get one that tastes of pizza. Uh, I think another example, just very, very briefly, is everything. Everything in Willy Wonka and or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. All that stuff is another great example of like you know. The the, the, the the bubble gum that uh, tastes of every meal kind of thing, every every meal but well, more every flavour is, yeah, there's so much stuff there that you can't really replicate, but why would you want to Well, uh, considering we're going through a journey through time,
2: where are we landing for your final pick, Mr Stogden?
0: Way back in the past Mr Chambers, we are back in 1925, wow Okay, yep yeah. So, this is a big uh, it's a big one for me, oddly enough. I don't know why, but it is. So, obviously, the works of Charlie Chaplin. People, see, people haven't really usually seen a Charlie Chaplin film. You know the character of the tramp, and you might have seen clips. And that's pretty much predominantly it. Charlie Chaplin is still fucking hilarious. Genuinely really, really funny. The di- dictator is really powerful, as well as funny, which is really important and interesting. But there's a film called The Gold Rush, going out in 1925, and it is brilliant and there's a few examples of food in this one there's there's two that stand out one is the bread dance the bread dance is one of Chaplin's most iconic and beloved sequences he is at a table and he's got he's he's hallucinating there's no food but um he's imagining being at a table with these uh, these women and he's he's entertaining them and being charming and amazing and he puts two forks into these two bread rolls and he places his head in such a way that it makes it look like the feet are, so the bread are feet and he's dancing. And he does this whole little number and it's very charming and it's really sweet and the, the people sort of fall over him. And then in the film Chaplin, Robert Downey Jr. does the exact same thing when he's at a table and he's ignoring J. Edgar Hoover or some, something like that. But the idea is it's a sequence which is really innocent and really fun and shows him as an artist who is exceptionally fucking talented. But that's not what I'm going for specifically. I have chosen him eating his own shoe. <laughs> <laughs> of course you have Because it's a weird one So they're so desperately trapped in this cabin okay, so But the Gold Rush is about the Gold Rush And I think in Alaska or something like that, And they're all snowed in this one cabin And it's an amazing feat of filmmaking and so on and so forth In the silent era One aspect is that they're obviously snowed in And they're freezing and they're starving and there's nothing to eat So at one point he boils his shoe And starts peeling it apart And taking bites out of it and eating it Um and it's one of those very strange moments. You see it in like cartoons, a sort of Tex Avery star cartoon. You see it all the time where there's, you know, the uh, heightened fantasy weirdness of uh, someone turning into a chicken because you're hungry, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, that happens in this film. Um, and they're just so hungry and he starts eating his shoe. And it's the classics are so like, oh, and I do think it comes out of a lot of that. The, the disparity between rich and poor in the 20s which led into the depression and so on and so forth in the 30s um, which really got into that situation and then finally into, as a very strange analogy the siege of fucking Stalingrad where people were literally eating the mortar out of the walls because there's nothing to eat you know that, that kind of ridiculous siege mindset um, and the desperation of what humans will do to survive and you're like boots you could eat that that's, that's leather that's that's cow you're like what the fuck are you talking about and you you're mad it'll taste and, like know, beef right that's how it works yeah and you're so desperate that it's like there's got to be something in there um, so he ends up oiling this thing off and he pulls off and you see the nails it's a very cartoony shoe in a way but it, he eats it and it's brilliant the scene is great because he sells it however when you know the story behind it it's maddening so Chaplin was very much also like Fincher he did as many fucking takes as he wanted to do and that was usually far too many because he wasn't happy with the result. And he wanted to go again and again and again and again and again. It's one scene where a woman is brought in from the cold. She's eaten for the first time in ages and he's giving a direction on the back of the camera saying, it's the first time you've eaten, darling, in a long time. You're you're, you're, you're hungry, you're voracious. And she's like, Charlie, I've eaten like 20 balls of beans. I can't look hungry after 20. I'm so full. Come on, come on, sell it to me. And that kind of like, what are you doing, you fucking psycho? But equally, he put himself through that same ringer as well so many times. So when it came to the filming uh of the thing, so the Lone Prospector, I think is naming character, um, they have a boot for supper which took I want to say it was filmed over three days. I'm not entirely sure about that, two or three days. But more importantly, it was sixty-three fucking takes. And each Jesus take he eats, he eats the whole fucking shoe. And I should point out, Chaplin is eating the shoe, and Chaplin is directing. It's him saying, Nah, I'm happy with that, let's do it again. <laughs> 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 it's his choice to eat those shoes yeah now the boots and this is the kind of important point here how do you get a from something to look like a sort of rubbery texture that's black and you could peel off and it would look like like the quarter portions kind of thing um and it would be you know pull it out of water and it'd be fine and it was made of fucking licorice oh, a oh whole God. Boot. and he went through 63 takes eating this whole shoe and sure enough after all this thing, you know, as, as legend has it, um, he was rushed to hospital because he had <laughs> insulin shock because he'd eaten so much sugar that he was basically slipping into a diabetic coma. I was, um, I was literally going to joke about that, and then it's real. Yeah, no, that's 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 the thing. It's, it's like it's like I'm not happy with that. I'm not happy with it. And it, but the thing is, what well, you watch the take, and you don't know whether it's take one or take sixty three or whatever it is in the middle or a combination of all these things. But he enjoys it every time. He sells that performance, and it's that classic way that some actors will go above and beyond and that's part of the acting you're like oh sell sell me that you love this woman sell that to me it's like oh i don't she's a friend she's an actor we've been working together yeah but i don't have that Or like, like take marriage story for example driver and 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 Joh- johansson sell the emotions between you two and you're like but they don't have that and almost i know it's i'm just you know acting 101 but you it's when you think about food well, you can fake stuff with filming, you fake sex, you can fake love, you can fake hatred, you can fake death and murder and all these sorts of things. You can't, it's very hard to fake being hungry when you're not hungry. And if you don't believe me, eat a whole meal and then go to a shop and try and buy some food. You end up coming with very little. If you go to a shop and you're hungry, fuck me, you buy far too much. Um, and it's a weird trigger because your body's just saying, we're done here. We're physically done. I don't want any more. Thank you. And so, for that reason, for the acting, for the directing, for the whole that, is, and also for making a shoe look slightly appetising in a weird way, um, yeah, that's my, that's one of my picks. Tim, you've got to bring me back with something else. I'm please.
1: gonna, I'm gonna return to food and power. Yes. Um, to uh, a meal served once upon a time in Mexico, hey. and the uh, Pueco Pabil uh, that mm-hmm. Johnny Depp's character uh, eats in that film, which uh, he mentions that he goes to every kind of dive bar restaurant uh, in Mexico and he orders this uh, kind of uh, shredded pork, uh, slow-roasted shredded mm. pork dish mm. uh, and has it with a tequila and lime. And the where he's talking to Antonio Banderas' character, he mentions this is the best one that he's ever had. And it's so good that he, once he's done, he's going to pay his check, go into the kitchen and kill the chef because he the idea of his character the the idea that he espouses at least is that he serves as a kind of balance and that he uh he doesn't want anything to be too good but he also doesn't want it to be too bad Uh, and so he is kind of manipulating events so that things stay at just the right level for basically for the u.s government yeah and so he describes that to Antonio Banderas' character and and, and he, he sort of goes like, okay. Uh, the conversation continues and then they, they finish up and then we follow Johnny Depp's character as he does indeed pay the cheque, gets out a gun, mm-hmm. walks through the restaurant, into the kitchen mm-hmm. and shoots the chef on his way out. Um, and it's such a memorable scene uh, in that film. Um, and again this kind of relationship between kind of power and threats and intimidation when it comes to food is is incredibly mm. interesting and yeah when we when we just started talking about food it was it was one that leapt out to me and and there's a bit where uh, uh Banderas character kind of like um tastes a bit of the uh, the pork and kind of spits it <laughs> out and he's um so who knows if it even was that good <laughs> Um, but uh, I I choose to believe that it was it was delicious. It looked pretty good, um, but was, but yeah, but in a way it's not as much as it triggers the scene. It's not the focus of the scene in the in the same way that my you know my other picks have been films that are all about food and the food really you know is is what the camera is interested in. In this case, it's the relationship around the food and. Yeah. what it kind of represents
0: it's interesting because rodriguez is a very good example rodriguez uses food and drink very heavily to to highlight a lot and push things forward and cool. then i remember it must have been the american yeah i've got the american copy of the dvd or i had the imported american copy of the dvd for sin city for some reason i think it's because that's the director's cut and we didn't over here at this time and on it was i can't remember what it's called but basically it was his uh his 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 it was his sort of almost like masterclass on the talk about filmmaking how they made the film but also how he makes food every now and again and on that particular one he did his breakfast burritos when he was editing and he talks about come down to the kitchen with me i'm going to fry up a burrito with with chopped potatoes like potatoes bravas kind of thing and scrambled egg and like shit okay and i think on the DVD for once upon a time in Mexico he talks about the uh copy of bill
1: Yes i do um, i do remember mm. seeing at least one of his recipe like videos on on mm. a DVD extra. I can't remember what well, it was. It might've been the
0: one on Once Upon a Time in Mexico now. It's fascinatingly weird. Cause it's nice. You don't really see that stuff again. Obviously it's like, no, 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 we're going to do like a whole feature about this on the DVD. But I agree with you. That's a really good looking meal. And again, something, that, again, something that feels like it sets the tone, not only for the characters, as you say, but also the setting, because it's not something we would tend to see. Around the- I, I don't think I'd ever heard of Puerto Rico before. Mm. Like that it's like 2003. I think the film came out. Um, even though it is, as, as you say, it's a memorable scene in a frankly unmemorable film because of the three mariachi films, I feel it's definitely the... the yeah, it's fine, basically. Mm. But that scene, I remember very distinctly for some reason. So, yeah, good shout.
1: Jack, I feel like we've, we've got to the crux of your choices.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: this is the one I mentioned where I messaged Matt and I was like, hey, are we talking, like, food you want to eat? Or... Just like something that sticks out in your mind. And Matt was like, "Well, oh, it's up to you. I don't know. Pick something memorable, I guess. I was like, oh, good. Because I mentioned this film a couple of times on the show already in various forms. Matt's mentioned it. I've mentioned it. He mm-hmm. mentioned it in the twists episode. Matt mentioned it in the trilogy episode. And I want to talk about the octopus in Old Boy mm. Because my life is forever changed after that film. And that scene. Because, good lord, I never ever want to see a person eat a live octopus ever again in my life. Yeah. <laughs> As a lifelong it's... vegetarian, <laughs> it was pretty traumatising, to say the least. And it is, in in typical sort of uh, low lower-budget, independent cinema kind of style, totally legit. <laughs> Which is... <laughs> Horrible and gross. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Um, I watched a behind the scenes thing and it is just, just gross. And as uh, like, they really had to kind of go through, like, okay, it's it's this, it's that, it's going to be. Um, Choi Min Sik, I think, is Buddhist. So he's like saying prayers and apologizing to the octopus beforehand yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And it's just like, He's like, hey, uh, are you expecting me to like bite and then rip, or am I supposed to like bite one whole bite and then just keep chewing or what's the plan here? And the whole crew just kinda of looks and goes, Uh good question. And Park Chan wook the director and writer, kinda of shows them and goes, Um, go for bite and rip And he's like, Okay, yeah, we'll do And <laughs> Yeah, he just bites into the fucking thing's head and just starts Chomping on down, with this horrible, evil like a uh, just
0: determination in his eyes, and it's just, oh, yeah. Which again, it's got to be from an acting point of view. Got to get through this. Got to get through the scene. Got oh, to do this scene. Be, yeah. Um. And the thing is, well, this it, it sounds like it's going to be. I'm not reveling in it. I'm not because it, it is a very, very, very controversial scene. You're watching something being killed slowly. Yep. Um. And it's fighting, and that's the thing. It's like, no, I'm not comfortable with this. I, mean, I, 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 I am comfortable with it because I eat meat and I understand it. But this is thing is a very, and again, octopus especially because it's one of the most intelligent animals and so forth. And it's a very controversial thing to yep. eat. If yep. it's like a lobster, you're like they don't have, you know, central systems, so it's slightly different. When you fry them alive, they don't scream. It's cracking the, you know, it's the, it's the air escaping. You're like, oh, okay, different. But at the same time this thing is pouring at his face trying to fight to live and you're like oh god this is horrible and the thing is because of the nature of the film you're already getting so much horrible shit anyway you yeah. didn't need more horrible shit it's 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 for a lot of people the thing is if you watch old oh boy for the first time most people don't even know it's coming it oh, just uh, happens no, yeah, it just happens I was so shocked but I thought oh, that's a really impressive effect yep Oh fuck me! No, it's real. Oh god, this is all real. Oh god, this real. It's totally oh, it's still real. going. This is still Appa- going. Apparently, it took four takes
2: and yeah. four yeah. octopods as well. I know, Jesus. So, ooh, yeah. And it is, um, it it is a thing in you know East Asian culture to do the whole like you have a little squid or an octopus or whatever it is, like a whole one, but it is already killed and cut and all that kind of stuff, and you squirt kind of a very salty. Source like a lose like kind of like a soy sauce kind of thing, and the salt in the sauce activates the nerves and it kind of does this weird wiggly dance thing. You can look same up with, on um,
0: Same with frogs legs.
2: Yes, exactly. Yeah, and it can and kind of do this weird little wiggle trigger thing, and I assume that's what that was. And then nope, mm. I went and looked behind the scenes. And I was like, nope, that is actually actually what they're doing. And when uh, Park Chan Wook was talking about the scene. He's like, I felt so sorry for for the lead actor Choi. Like he, he's just, oh god, he must have must have found it hor- horrendous. But I do feel mm-hmm. worse for the octopus. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I guess that counts as a joke, part, Mister Park. But like, yeah, sure. I love Jesus Christ. Um. Yeah. Traumatizing to say the least. Yes. Entirely.
0: Yeah again from a, especially from a from a vegetarian point of view as well you're right that's that's it's it's and I do think this is what about the nature of um food on film, for example, it can be used to do and say so much, including fuck your audience up and your actors. I'd rather eat sixty licorice boots <laughs> and go into
2: a diabetic coma than eat four then, live octopuses,
0: yeah. I mean, if you go but speaking of the, the silent films, the amount of things they got away with because there were no rules back then it was ridiculous. The amount of risks and things, it's like, oh, we'll just do it. It's like, wait, no, there's no safety. There doesn't need to be safety. We'll just do it. Um, and like of lack stunts. of animal
2: health and safety.
0: Oh God! And the stuff man- like yeah, that, yeah, animal rights were fucking atrocious. Um, so like, how do we replicate this? horse dying just shoot it in the face oh yeah okay we'll just kill it it's like <laughs> what right. are you talking about you psychos and that's kind of how silent films were made, because they were making up the rules they went along and it nobody i mean the the theory now is that you know no one no thing i no, think no one should suffer die or anything for a film it's it's only a film that's that's the classic sort of it's only, we're only making a movie here kid not in the 20s in the 20s a film was an important thing and you would die for it if you had to and many people fucking did Films that we are never watching and we're lost to time. It's crazy. It's genuinely crazy. But I can I completely understand that one because the second you said, "Does it have to be like you know a good mental thing?" I want to eat, and you said, "Old oh boy," I thought, "Oh yeah, okay." Because I thought <laughs> initially, because Old Boy's got two, arguably, or maybe a few more, but uh, Mandu specifically the the um, the uh, the dumplings that he's fed for fifteen fucking years. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because you think I must have I thought to myself, I wonder what's in them. That's kind of good Obviously after 15 years That'd be disgusting Hence why he wants Something alive And different And you understand Why he's doing it And obviously he seems Like he regrets it Immediately As with a lot of Decisions he makes Or Sue's character Anyway Yeah No that's 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 a scene That genuinely Is iconically Part of that film And when people say Oh old boy or something like, that, Or certain films Sometimes the food Comes up as Part of the introduction To the film just like saying, "Oh, have you seen this film?" Uh, No. Okay. Well, uh, you, mm, 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 one thing you got to look out for, you know. Like, oh, okay. And that's you know, <laughs> of all the things in this film, be aware of that, that. scene because good luck. No one, no one's saying, "Oh, you've never seen Jurassic Park." Oh, I can't wait. Brilliant, brilliant. Two things. Um, he's going to put some shaving cream onto a pie. I'm sorry. Um, it ruins a pie. And also, chili and sea bass. I'm sorry it's like what, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about but you know these things some of them not mean anything but that one specifically you're gonna think bang that fucking octopus scene and some people who haven't even seen the film have seen that octopus scene in like viral YouTube videos or whatever you know yeah it's, like I said it's traumatised me forever and mm. I try not to
2: recommend it to people but I, I love that film and hate it in equal measure as I've, as I've said <laughs> on this show before it is absolutely traumatising hmm well, Speaking of traumatising food In Asian cinema mm. This is a thing I didn't need in my life And Matt has introduced to Tim and I now uh, Would you like to Explain what well, The phrase Tampopo egg Please Mr. Stockton,
0: To our dear <laughs> listeners Okay Tampopo um, Tampopo is a Japanese film um, Came out in 1984 It has a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes What? Yep Enjoy that for a second, guys. So, it's a comedy. It's got Ken Watanabe and a handful of other people in it, and it's about ramen, basically. Um, but that's that's not the point. The thing about that film, nobody really remembers the ramen stuff, and that it's a genuinely quite funny film with a lot of weird Western stuff in it. And, and I mean, like Western is in cowboy Western; runs the West of you know the world. Um, it's got a subplot running through the whole thing, uh, and uh, Koji Yakusho. Who's been in lots of stuff He was in like uh, uh, The Third Murder recently A Koreeda film I really enjoyed And he was in Memoirs of a Geisha And lots of other Different pieces like, You go Oh well, no I think I know that guy if you, Especially if you know Japanese cinema He's a quite standout guy He plays um, I, I don't think his character Has a name think He's just a man in white suit He's a Yakuza basically This gangster bloke And he's got a very strange Subplot In this Wacky Ridiculous comedy And you don't The, thing is the way his stuff is shot You don't know it's a comedy It's kind of playing it straight and The three of the sort of Bits and pieces He turns up at He's uh, Going to a brothel And he's with a prostitute And obviously can't show Sex in a film Like that Graphically So they try and show Something that's Um How can I phrase this
2: <laughs> Simulation More, more of offensive acts. Than
0: real sex Is what it is I think J- I bumped into Jack earlier uh, We were both In the city for, for shopping reasons And for key Essential shopping reasons We, we, remained we were socially quarantine. distant We kept our distance Um But I think Jack said I would be less concerned showing a penis going into a vagina to someone than I would that scene (laughs) or something like that. (laughs) And it's it is okay. So there's a handful of scenes. The egg one is the key one, the oyster one is the other one, and the sausage one is unimportant. So the egg scene. He go the (laughs) the Yakuza dude goes to um a brothel prostitute and then to show that, you know, the sexual sexual gratification. Cracks a raw fucking egg And growing up in the 80s in Britain Eggs made you terrified Because of, you know, nonsense from the government Which was wrong at the time But anyway, everyone believes salmonella and eggs So like, oh my god, it's disgusting But in Asia, eggs are great quality And you don't really get anything. Of them You can eat raw eggs and crack a raw egg on like rice And it's a delicacy Anyway, so he does the, the classic separation thing So all the whites go out of it And it's just left with just the yolk And the yolk is at that point unpierced and show the tender, the tender love between these two Ooh. people, or at least the sexual commitment and the desire and the power and the control, and the reciprocal nature of it. I hope you guys are getting sick because you've seen it and you yeah. haven't. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, he towers over her. Opens his mouth. Ma- which puts the. He puts the egg yolk in his mouth. I should point out the raw egg yolk in his mouth. And then just bad enough. It's bad enough. And then she sort of moans slightly, opens her lips, and he slops it into her mouth very gently. At this point, it's not pierced or broken. It's exactly whole. And she's like... And he's doing the same thing. He lowers himself slightly, and she flops it back into his mouth. And they do this three or four times. And then she reaches a point of ecstasy Bites down on the yolk and just dribbles it all down on top, and it's disgusting. <laughs> it's so revolting, it's so gross. Everybody I've shown it to has gone, and go, "Oh, fucking hell!" Did you guys see the second scene with the oyster? No, you better believe I did. I, I did. It's 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 a little bit worse because of the connotations. So, on his quest, he then finds. um I'm, I'm not saying a young girl; she's a woman, but she's you know youthful. Is it not even the same woman? I'm, I'm not entirely confident, probably is, but she looks Good different Lord. age, I think. I can't remember. It's been a long time since i actually seen properly. But the point is, she is just getting oysters out of the sea. And she's just, you know, most, and she's wearing entirely white. So it's all see-through sort of thing at this point because of the ocean. And he becomes overcome with lust and food. And she cracks open one of the oysters for him. And obviously the symbology of oysters being an aphrodisiac and looking very, I don't know, vaginal in a weird way, I guess. Yeah. So he bites she offers it to him, and he goes straight into it, <laughs> and he cuts his lip immediately on the shell and she goes, no, 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 cuts it out, places it in her hand, and he starts again kind of going blah, 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 blah. and she goes so what's the and it's like, Oh, it's amazing, it's ticklish kind of thing. And, and this is where he it looks gets weird, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And then he looks down at the blood on the thing. Now she's very young. There's now blood on this vaginal thing, and you're like, oh is this a virginity thing? Is this a... pre? Definitely, a, a, yes. It's like, oh, and then he wolfs it all down, at which point she then takes control of the situation and, and looks the, the, at the blood all over his lip and just starts tonguing his face in the most, like, oh, oh. No. It's like, oh, <laughs> fucking hell. It's so strong. Then later in the film, he's shot and he's dying and the brothel lady catches up with him again and he's telling her his recipe for, for sausages about how you have a pig and you feed them all the yams And then you pull out Of the pig's guts And then the yams Are inside the sausage meat It's great
2: <laughs> <laughs> It's
0: like What the fuck is this How is this 100% On Rotten tomato? 100% It's actually a Pretty good oh, um, But this is again Because it's, it's not the main plot um, But It's all I've and seen even then, 0% and... Yeah It's 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 genuinely And the thing is If you search Tampopo T-A-M-P-O-P-O Egg Oyster You will find it <laughs> on YouTube And you will thank me I vomited. And it just traumatized me. To say it's it's so weird because you think, What is this? 1985, I was one at the time. <laughs> the world was because when you're a kid and you think to yourself, like you hear your first swear word, and you think to yourself, Wow, I've invented swearing. Like, you dumb shit. People have been swearing for decades. <laughs> and you start to get more aware that things happened before you were born. You know the the object permanence of when you close your eyes, the world goes away kind of thing. Um, and then you're like, wait, wait. So let me get this straight. A year after I was born, me little baby, all that many years ago. Yes, Japan was doing this nonsense with these eggs. Well, I mean, film wise, they've been doing it that way like, for probably three years. Someone's probably done that many times. Oh um,
2: I, I imagine do... this is like the Japanese version of for the birds and the bees. You like sit down and have a conversation <laughs> the with egg your father the father and explain how to how to drop an egg into a woman's mouth. <laughs>
0: Where, where do babies come from? I don't know, but I'll tell you where this fucking egg's going. It's going in your mum's mouth. I think. <laughs> yeah, See, the, the, I'm not entirely the sure. worrying
1: thing that when when you're like, oh, this came out when I was one year old, my my first thought was you could have been. Imagine being exposed to this when you're like seven years old. <laughs> like if you you know,
2: and thinking this is totally normal.
1: Just like, like you wander downstairs at night and like the TV's still on it's or something on but your parents yeah. aren't around and you just see this happening on the TV. Like, <laughs> that's how serial killers start.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I remember from a young age seeing things like in Hot Shots, for example, the whole sort of sexual chemistry food thing. I think it's parody, like, you know, nine and a half weeks or eight and a half weeks, whichever one it was when they come out at the time. But, you know, the the whole sex and food stuff and sex and food I mean we didn't talk about that obviously as much as we do when there's uh, our choices of food they're all about power and, things. and obviously sex is power as well but food sex stuff is uh, on film especially mm. yeah um, and so this is a good example of that to to completely as a palate cleanser for my last honourable mention um, to completely change it up let's go back to a wholesome innocent moment of the 90s <laughs> where young uh, seven, six, seven-year-old Matthew would have seen this and not gone, oh my God, I've ruined myself forever. Time to be a serial killer. Um, Steven Spielberg's hook. There's so many situations where they're like, oh, we're going to have food now. And there's lots of really big smoldering pots are going and people are staring things. And and Robin Williams is selling It's like, oh, I'm so hungry. I'm going to eat anything. And the all the lids come off the, the bowls and plates and there's nothing there. And he's so heartbroken. But the kids are playing and they're enjoying it. And I love that transition between how an adult sees the world and how a child sees the world. And, you know, the adult's like, there's no food here, there's, there's nothing here. And he's like, play, come on, eat, you have to pretend, Peter. Eat, eat. And then when he starts, you know, he, he gets into the food fight with um, with Rufio. And he's he finally gets involved and he's finally playing, basically. And I like, said, Rufio, why don't you suck on a dead dog's nose? Flicks fake food. And because he actually believes it's real, it becomes real. and. All the food that they're creating looks fucking great and weird. And a lot of it is basically what could I be described, I guess, angel delight, just like neon paste. Mm. Um, and there's the classic like bread and soups and chickens. It's everything a kid might think would go and all the things you've seen before, like, um, Butt eating down this giant thing. And there was all the mime acting of the food. Yeah. And you can see Robin Williams. Food. It's fucking great. Cause it makes you so hungry. And you're like, yes, I am hungry. Why am I not eating? <laughs> um, but the kids make you believe like the whole home oh, and just, yeah, it's, it's a really fun, brilliant scene. And then in the background, if you freeze, from, it's like one of those weird sort of a uh, classic, um, you know, you see a ghost in, in, um, three men and a baby kind of thing. But if you freeze in the background, there's a guy in a white suit, just slopping an egg. into <laughs> a woman's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's <best laughs> not, don't pause. Don't look for that. Um, so there might there two little, very different types of, um, Again, like a fantasy food and a uh, fantasy food. Um, so, Tim, what other delights have you got for us? Uh,
1: so just a few kind of shout-outs I wanted to do. Um, and I'm intrigued because I, I think this is something you alluded to earlier, and I'm fascinated what the ingredient yes, was. is that you uh, that you don't like. Uh, the Harley, Harley Quinn's egg sandwich from Birds of Prey, uh, which was obviously a recent viewing, and uh, uh, another, to me, uh good candidate in the
0: sandwich hall of fame what what is your problem it is, it's with actually this very one? high on mine um unsurprisingly considering a tampopo, i don't like eggs <laughs> <laughs> simple as that um i'll eat scrambled eggs Scrambled eggs are fine um omelette mm, pushing it unless it's japanese um but an egg a fried egg and that's worst part is i went to japan i was like I this is it if i'm gonna have a fucking egg anywhere and love it it'll be japan and i had a ramen which had an egg in it and it was all gooey and the perfect tea stain sort of thing it was you know gorgeous and i bit into it and i thought yep yep the egg's quite nice but don't nope this yolk is so rich i'm not i'm nope nope no nope that's gonna be and I, that's my wife I said do you want this said fuck yeah and i said yeah okay you can have that i don't want it um and i was so heartbroken so I'm like i want it. i there's nothing in me that's physically like allergic to it i just don't like it and i hate that because i should you know, I'm denying myself something delicious like this fucking egg sandwich uh, from um, from Bird of Prey, which looks, looks great. It looks, it's mm. filmed beautifully. The Way it's described, and the way she covets it so much with the it's like yes, yeah, that's, that's greasy brilliance. I think everyone can sort of can dig into it. Whether again, even if I don't like eggs for an egg sandwich, it looks like it's going to be fucking delicious. And part because of the performance. And, yeah, yeah, the
1: fact that she's meant to be hungover when she's getting it, like it's just like that's exactly yeah. what you want like assuming you're not like a, a a queasy stomach hungover. if you're just like a mm. oh, i feel rough like that is exactly the kind of thing that you want and, it, and they 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 do film it perfectly like you say and then the other things i wanted to mention uh i rewatched stranger than fiction recently will ferrell a good film and the cookies that uh maggie gyllenhaal makes for um Will Ferrell in that I thought Mm, looked exceedingly mm. good although I'm not so sure that whether I was whether the idea of those cookies was appealing or the idea of just being given cookies by Maggie Gyllenhaal was appealing so (laughs) you know um and then the other one which we never actually see on screen but I would love to experience both them and presumably there the, there's there's a kind of whole wider world implied by these, which is the uh-huh. Ben and Jerry's flavours from Avengers Infinity War. We uh, it gets uh-huh. mentioned that there is both uh raving hazelnuts and uh Hunker Hulker Burning Look Fudge um as uh, extant flavours in the MCU. Um, presumably mm. there's at least a Captain America one out there as well and a Thor. Uh Ooh. I'm not sure quite what I, they would be.
0: But um, I'm gonna say Captain America's cherry pie.
1: That makes Good yeah. wholesome.
0: Oh no, or oh, American apple pie. Something something yes. pie like, like, Yeah, apple
1: apple yes. pie, yes. Um
0: Thor is uh oh, tricky. Uh hammered toffee. Um or maybe like... And
1: mackerel. Like a, some kind of like honey mead type flavour.
0: Oh, yeah, very good, very um,
1: good. But yes, no, Get I I, uh, I, I would be interested to see
0: quite uh a... Oh, Hawkeye vanilla. <laughs> 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 Hawkeye,
1: just a, an not empty them. tub.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to make a pizza dog joke, but no, just empty tub. <laughs> 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 oh, dear.
1: Anyway, and then... um. We uh, with all our talk of food, um, something kind of has frequently cropped up whenever we've whenever we've been mentioning stuff, which I think Jack, you're going to uh, talk about.
2: I certainly am, and we hinted at it earlier on in the episode. And a big kind of, I guess, a spokesperson <laughs> is the word to use, a, a YouTuber who discusses this kind of thing, and an influencer an inspiration for a lot of the, yeah, an influencer exactly, um, mm-hmm. who inspired a lot of the the kind of things I was researching in time for this show. And somebody whom Matt introduced me to mm. is a YouTuber called Andrew Ray, also known as Binging with Babish. And he basically yep. reproduces food you see on screen in front of you with an ingredients list and a recipe and all that kind of stuff. And it is he's done the vast majority of what we mentioned on this episode – bar the live octopus thank god or the (laughs) tampo egg. but he's done some weird things he's done some delicious looking things he's
1: he recently did the the imaginary food from hook
2: he did oh
0: i didn't see that one yet. (laughs) shit
2: yeah and uh, he's a fantastic presenter he has he has like the most amazing deep relaxing voice you've ever heard in your life as well and he's just like he's not he always says i'm not a chef I'm not afraid to, like, make mistakes. I'm not professionally trained or anything like that. I'm just a guy making videos and and trying experiments and all that kind of stuff. And I really respect his kind of outlook on things and his his mm. way of doing everything and his way of presenting. And, yeah, he's I mean, he's got millions of subscribers on YouTube. He's released cookbooks. Uh, you, there's Binging with Babish There's Basics with Babish If you're looking to learn Basic cooking skills mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. Making yeah. sauces Making cakes Making pastries All that kind of stuff And not necessarily film related But actual cookery stuff as well And he just seems like A really nice guy Who presents
0: A really great YouTube show I assume you've seen Some of The Being with Babish Yes Yes Just this proof evident that he is a nice guy, just seemingly just one of the best guys. You're like, oh fuck you, man! (laughs) But he's just giving back to the the crowd's community, the fans. I think when anyone who I mean, uh, okay, let's make a let's make a strange pivot here. Any creative wants to give back to the people that have put them there in the first place, their audience, their fans, whoever it is. And we do the same thing here, where we're like, like like the best example I can give is the Discord, where we interact so quickly. And directly But also like Twitter And Facebook And things like that And doing good Crow bad Crow bad Kind of thing But it's nice to know That people support you But at the same time That's two way We're not like Yeah thanks Yeah yeah Uh, Can you stand a little Further back please Although to be fair Now thing's Stand further back But the (laughs) idea is that You know it's like No no if we met Somebody And I'm not saying This is a weird thing But if we were to meet Some of these people In real life We'd be like Oh you're that person Oh that's so cool It's genuinely a nice thing And I think He strikes me As one of those individuals Who likes to support his community as it were yeah he's done a lot of of like
2: giving back to the fans videos and stuff like that that he's surprising fans in hotels and like oh yeah i've just cooked this amazing meal for you or i've just done this thing or donates things to charity and all that kind of stuff and yeah Mm. if you're interested in food on screen and even how to make and replicate it highly highly recommend to go and check him out
0: i would agree i think a lot of people already are subscribed but definitely because it not only does he do stuff that's very much like Oh, um, they did the. They, uh, I think he did the prison sauce from Goodfellas, mm. the one we mentioned about the whole, uh, the thinly cut garlic with the razor blade. He also then sometimes with this things where like he doesn't. Uh, he makes an approximation of it is TV as well, obviously, and cartoons. So he makes the half shepherd's pie, half trifle from Friends and then he's like I'm going to try and make this good so you get like two versions one that's literally as it is on screen which is disgusting or whatever and then one he's like okay well if you substitute that for that I guess that kind of works and you get a different variant or some of that which I find yeah genuinely fascinating and it's and it's there's simple accessible little videos so why are we fucking advertising for him so much (laughs) Jesus
2: I've got millions of subscribers already I'm sure I'll be fine
0: yeah but in terms of our conversations and this is what I'm looking forward to most is people saying have you thought about this and you're like No, I've never thought about that. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. How have I not thought about that? Bloody hell! So yeah,
2: on that note, let us know. Yeah, message us on Twitter and all the social media and stuff, and get Mm. on the Discord and make some suggestions. I'm intrigued as to what you guys think is the best, worst, and most memorable food from the history of cinema. Because I'm sure there's loads of shit I've never even heard of, Mm. and I'm I'm very interested to to find out about. And on that note, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting us on Patreon. I hope you're enjoying the bonus content and the extra episodes we're giving you in this weird time of isolation and lockdown. And we will see you again very soon. Mmm. Mm,
0: delicious. Mm, yummy. Mmm. Sweet deliciousness.